Hi there, friends. Welcome back to the State Tax Show, your home for the world of state and local tax. I'm Matt Hunsaker. On today's show, a quick peek at a couple Texas apportionment cases and what they could mean for you. That was audio of the Blue Angels doing their 35-minute flyover of the Dallas-Fort Worth area to salute frontline COVID-19 responders. I likewise add my appreciation to all of you out there on the front lines. Today's flyover was timely as we will be talking a little bit about military jets. I have to talk about a couple important Texas cases. I know I'm on the heels of another show talking about a second set of important Texas cases. And for those of you who are new to the show, I promise you this is not a Texas-centric podcast. We just got jammed up with a bunch of very interesting cases over the last few weeks. On May 1st, the Texas Supreme Court decided the Lockheed Martin case. Uh, The question in this case was whether sales of F-16 military jets to foreign governments with the U.S. government as an intermediary, should be treated as Texas source sales. You see, Lockheed can't sell directly to foreign governments. It's not allowed under the Arms Export Control Act. And instead, there's what's called the the Foreign Military Sales Program that basically allows Lockheed to sell to the U.S., who then resells to the foreign countries. If you're interested in how the foreign military sales program works, go ahead and give the case and the briefing a read. It's actually pretty interesting stuff. So basically how this would work is Lockheed at its Fort Worth facility would build F-16s ordered by foreign governments. It would then sell them to the U.S. under a contract, and then the U.S. would resell them to the foreign governments under a separate contract. The title transferred in Fort Worth and a U.S. government pilot would then take the plane and ferry it to the foreign country. And wouldn't that be a fun job? I have a cousin-in-law who's a fighter pilot in the Air Force, and great guy, but I don't like being around him because it makes me regret my life decisions. I actually always wanted to be a military pilot while I was growing up. Only problem is I have like the most severe case of motion sickness in the world. I remember the last time I was on a small plane, I was up in Alaska and my brother-in-law had convinced me to take a short charter flight to take a look at some bears. And this pilot would just was crazy and he would just like dip a wing all the way down to the ground whenever he saw a bear and then dip the other wing all the way down to the ground so he could see it out the other side. And I really thought that I was going to die. I was sick for like two days after that. Sorry for that personal aside. In Texas, the Texas gross receipts or the numerator of the apportionment factor includes, and this is a quote from the language of the statute, each sale of tangible personal property, if the property is delivered or shipped to a buyer in the state, 
regardless of the FOB point, or another condition of the sill. That may sound familiar to you, and it should because it's essentially UDITPA. Lockheed took the position that these sales were sales to foreign countries and therefore not Texas sales, and predictably the controller took the opposite position that these sales were consummated in Texas and therefore, well, not consummated, but that delivery occurred in Texas and therefore the sales should be treated as Texas sales and included in the numerator of the apportionment factor. Lockheed made a couple of different arguments. The first one was that they were essentially making a sale directly to the foreign buyer. In other words, they wanted the court to just collapse the transaction and ignore the U.S. government's role as an intermediary. And the second argument that they put forward was that the language in the statute delivered to a buyer in this state is a location of the buyer test or destination sourcing as opposed to a location of delivery test. Now, ultimately, the court decided the first issue about whether the sale was actually directly to the foreign government, and it punted on the second issue, which in some ways is unfortunate because that is the argument that is probably the most important to you and I. So on the first argument, the court concluded that the true buyer in these transactions was the foreign government, and it did in fact ignore the intermediate sale and delivery to the U.S. government. And the way they got there was the language in the statute that says that you disregard FOB point or other condition of sale. And this is what they said. They said, because the sale of the F-16s could not occur without the U.S.'s involvement, the federal mandate is a statutory condition of sale that we disregard for franchise tax purposes. Now, you may not be selling military equipment via the U.S. to foreign governments, but think about that for a little bit. Think about what that really means, that if you have a statutory condition of sale, that you might be able to disregard an intermediate sale. I didn't read the opinion to limit that purely to sales to foreign governments of military equipment. So the court may have opened up some opportunities for certain taxpayers in certain circumstances. The other interesting part about the opinion was it seemed to give a little credence to the concept of market-based sourcing. The court noted that the purpose of the apportionment statute is to reflect the contribution of the market state to the taxpayer's income. And then they said that the U.S. government was never the market for the F-16s at issue. And this is a quote here. Rather, the market all along was the purchasing foreign governments. The court's choice to use this language is very interesting, and it will be even more interesting to see if that market language affects what some of us perceive as the controller's slide towards market-based interpretation of its sourcing statutes. Now, speaking of market-based sourcing, let's chat for a second about the Texas Court of Appeals decision in Sirius XM. That's the satellite radio company that I'm sure you're all familiar with. The question in this case was whether Sirius XM should source its satellite radio service to the location of the decoding radios in customers' cars or homes, or whether they should be sourced to the location where program production, like the actual radio programs are produced, and transmission take place. And those activities took place almost exclusively outside of Texas. Now, in Texas, 
Texas receipts, or those receipts that go in the numerator of the apportionment factor, include receipts from each service performed in this state. The rules don't add much to this. They just say that the location is where the service is performed. And if the service is performed inside and outside of Texas, then you allocate those receipts based on a fair value of the services. In the decision, the court cited a few older cases, I'm talking like decades old, and also a controller's administrative decision that basically said that you source the receipts to where the act is done in this state. And the court adopted some language that the controller came up with that is, you look to the receipt producing slash end product act. So that will be interesting for taxpayers going forward if that standard continues to be applied. So what was that receipt producing end product act in the Sirius case? Well, Sirius said that it was the production and distribution of its content, but the controller said that it was actually the act of decryption that occurred at the subscriber's radio, and the court agreed with them. The court also denied SiriusXM a cost of goods sold deduction based on the AMC case we discussed a few weeks back. The court said that SiriusXM was not selling tangible personal property, which, if you listen to the AMC podcast a few weeks ago, you'll understand includes certain types of media. And they said that it wasn't tangible personal property because subscribers could only listen to the content, but they didn't have a way to access it at a later date. So I think this is a convoluted way, or I'm worried that the controller's office will see this as a way of saying that streamed media does not qualify for cost of goods sold whereas downloaded media would. So that will be an interesting policy discussion going forward. I'll keep you posted if this case finds its way up to the Texas Supreme Court. Well, I hope that you Texas folk have had your fix of Texas cases. Next week, we will get back to what's going on elsewhere in this fine country of ours. As always, thanks for listening. And until next week, this is Matt Hunsaker for The State Tax Show. State Tax Show podcast is produced by Baker and Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. The hiring of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Please visit BakerLaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.